the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Everybody, uh, beautiful day out there. Beautiful out day out there. Let's, uh, you know, uh, many years ago, our founding fathers had the imagination to think about what the world would be like without Britain. So let's talk about imagination. Let's talk about Albert Einstein. Imagination is more important than knowledge. Knowledge is limited. Imagination encircles the world. I very rarely think in words at all. A thought comes, and I may try to express, express it in words afterwards. The important thing is not to stop questioning. Curiosity has its own reasons for existing. The only way to escape the corruptible effect of praise is to go on working. And try not to become a man of success or a woman of success, but rather to become a person of value. <laughs> well, it's the Smart Investor Shows, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, you know, as always, what we try to do on this show is uh, bring to you uh, fairly current news uh, on the stock markets and bond markets and financial planning. And I, I'm just going to refer you back to if you go to uh, Smart Investor Show under, if you go to WHK 1420, go to, to local podcast, the Smart Investor Show. Remember, the March 9th show has our good friend who knows how to set up retirement plans for small businesses, okay? He, he's done a great job. Uh, I, I, that, I'm sorry. That was April 9th. And March 12th is Rich Matthews. Uh, he had the first 15 minutes of the show, and he talked about our wealth plan. We can now provide our wealth plan to prospective clients so that they can see the importance of it. Okay, uh, I think it's a it's a great idea, and uh, I, we also have on April 9th, If you've got a small business and you're looking to to put more money away without Uncle Stan getting at it, we have some people that can help you. Listen up to that show. He's done some uh, Dane has done some great work uh, doing just that. So, okay, so uh, you know we have this is a live show. First of all, if you have any questions, the number to to the uh, desk is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. And look, um, you know, if I put things in a nutshell, uh, I think five big things you need to know. I, I talked about the two paths we have for the S&P 500 in recession. And based on the trend seen in recent sessions, we would suggest a valuation case for S&P 500 uh, may be made today on forward PEs. Uh, that would be a short-lived move to 3,200. That would be worst-case scenario. As investors um, seek out clues of what what's been de-risked, we've been highlighting why the risk reward for small caps has improved. And note that the Russell 2000 valuations returned to levels uh, that often marked the low last week. So keep that in mind. And amid intense shifts in sector leadership in recent trading, you know, oil gave it up. Uh, we've also been highlighting how defensive sectors have been, they're close to peak valuation. So don't go crazy on those, all right? Um, and and then the midterm elections start starting to emerge as a potential positive catalyst for U.S. equities. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Uh, we'll see. Uh, in my eyes, it, it, it could be happening. A couple other things may be happening. The other thing I'd say is institutional investor sentiment appears to be getting closer to a bottom last week. I am seeing stocks that are starting to bottom, okay? And that's the first time I've said that. 
I thought we were going to bottom at the January lows in May. And boy, was I wrong? Uh, I was wrong with a lot of other smart people. Matter of fact, there's only one guy that has been right, and he's he's been, you know, yelling wolf for about five years now. So it's kind of hard to uh, you know call him right, I guess. But uh, so I, you know, I've been reading a lot, and and uh, I, I I've been reading Tom Lee, who 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 said he had egg on his face on live TV, by the way. Uh, he was wrong because he thought we we're going to stop at the January lows too. Uh, but you know, oh, oh, and I've been reading quite a bit of uh, from strategists all over the street. And over the past few weeks, there are some signs that inflation pressures are easy. All right, um, it, it looks like investors are ignoring that. By the way, uh, mostly because they're worried about what the Fed may do. Uh, retailers are sick, uh, sitting on record inventories. My wife went to Target the other day, and there were railroad cars sitting outside Target <laughs> with inventory. Okay, housing inventory is now at multi-year highs. It's the first time we've had that real estate agents actually had inventories to work from, and I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, there are discounts on new home light, uh, listings, which we haven't seen in a really long time. And the regional purchasing managers index are showing prices received are declining sharply. Exactly what they said, sharply, which I thought was interesting. Now, will the Fed do 75 basis points again? Uh, and and that that is the big key. And uh, I think that's what's holding back a lot of people. So the question is, uh, do you want inflation by risking recession? Or you want to kill inflation by risking recession? I think the market focus of they're half empty or or worse than half empty, I guess, uh, is the problem. And and and, it, and it's a it's a difficult scenario. Inflation really, if you're a retiree, inflation is your biggest enemy because your money goes away. That's why I keep talking about dividend growth. So why do we talk about dividend growth or or in, uh, dividends in general? Look. If you're getting a 3%, right now, I know of a company trading at two and a half times earnings, 2.58 times earnings with a 3% dividend yield. All right. Trading very close to book value. You know, if that stock goes up five bucks and you have that 3%, it's a 3.5% dividend yield, actually, you know, suddenly you've made 20%. And if they raise the dividend that next year, then you have another, you know, you have a higher ground to move from. So it helps. Dividends are a way to keep inflation at bay. Okay. So uh, look, there are two paths for the market. Uh, you know, falling inflation is, is arguably, arguably the more important for the Fed, I think. Uh, falling inflation would ped, uh, push Fed closer to a dovish pivot, which would be great. And a recession would trigger a Fed pivot and would support markets probably too. So look, slower growth is a silver lining playbook. <laughs> if you remember the movie. Look, we are cognizant of the risks and the uncertainties of a recession. We believe the majority of the media's recession commentary is at best incomplete. It's important to consider the secondary impacts of slowing growth, including anti-inflation impact and the pricing, uh, the policy flexibility it permits for the Fed. Fixed income investors, in particular, may see positives in the current economic backdrop. You know, if they're so worried about interest rates going higher, why did the yield go from 340 down to three this last week and a half? So in a week and a half, we saw interest rates go down big. That's interesting, huh? Now, look, the financial press headlines have increasingly focused on the probability of the U.S. Uh, recession next year. Uh, Fed Chow, uh, Chair Powell, in a recent congressional testimony, acknowledged the potential for tighter monetary policy to, smart, to spark a significant decline in economic activity. That, folks, is a recession. So, if if you look and you look at the Kansas City Fed and the Georgia Fed, they're, uh, I mean, the St. Louis Fed and the Georgia Fed, what they're saying is we'll probably come in this quarter at negative minus one. All right. So that'd be two quarters in a row of negative growth. That's a recession. So, 
you know, you, you, that stuff you have to think about. You got you got to go forward and and hey, but is remember the stock market anticipates this stuff six to months to a year ahead. Of it. And remember, last year we talked about the bullish percent being in the eighties. That's when you should have been scared. I had some clients, and I still have some clients that had didn't want to have cash back then, and and that's okay. Uh, and now now it's kind of biting us. Okay, and uh, I had some, you know, Marshfield, who I use quite a bit. Uh, they're a very good deep value manager. What I like about them, they keep all their money in in their portfolios. They probably had 70, 80, 90 percent cash. They're looking pretty smart right now. Okay, uh, so now we're at twenty five. We're below thirty. We're in the green zone, folks. So there are some stocks starting to turn. So look. If we revisit the current four-year cycle, remember there's a four-year cycle within this 16 to 18-year long-term cycle, you know, and that 16 to 18-year cycle is usually a secular bear market, which we went through from 2000 basically to 2016 to a bull market from, you know, 16 to 18 years. So if we look at that, we are probably going to start to really do well at the end of 2023. All right. So uh, the next cycle up is likely to start the beginning of 2024. It'll start to get much better in 2023. Uh, it doesn't mean it means we probably break out from our old high at the end of 2023. So we'll probably work our way back up sometime in the near future. Now, the trend right now remains negative. Uh, Rob Schleimer, we listened to him twice this week and uh you know, it's noteworthy that S&P 500 has reacted to retracement levels um, almost perfectly uh, on his chart. So uh, the next support is near 3,800. Uh, it's, that's a rising 200-week moving average, by the way. And, and then the next, uh, the rising 200-week moving average is 3,500. I'm sorry. The, the next level was a 3,800. Now, the percentage of stocks above their 50 and 200-day moving average is really deeply oversold. These are, we're getting down percent below the 200 day moving average is where we bottomed numerous times in the past. And same with a 50 day. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens there. Now I noticed on a weekly chart, or was it a monthly chart, weekly or monthly chart, I can't remember, that commodities went up and closed down at the low for the week or for the month. That is usually a sign of a peak. All right. Uh, basic materials fell from number two to number six this week. That's a big drop. Uh, so it does look like the commodity uptrends have peaked for the near term anyway. Uh, oil, wheat, copper. You know, copper actually broke down. Wheat broke down. And oil is looking iffy. And the 10-year yield remains an uptrend. But, I mean, it was at 349 and now hit, uh, I think it's two, 299. All right. Uh, the dollar hit a high and then backed off. So it'll be interesting if it makes a lower high. We'll see what happens going forward. Okay. Now, I, I'm going to remind you of a few things. We talked about the capital markets. We had our conference preview of the global energy, power, and infrastructure stocks. Okay. And this stuff's important simply because the fact is that's where we're going. Okay. They're, if they keep pushing electric cars, which I think they're going to forever, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to continue forever and ever. Uh, we don't have the infrastructure set up and, and Biden wants to kill all the coal plants. You know, good luck with that. But look, we're still stuck on uneasy street. As I said last week, you know, we don't know what the Fed, if they're done. Uh, what's interesting is most people think they're going to raise three quarters of a point, yet the 10 year yield went down almost half a percentage point last week. Well, last week and a half, let's say. So while we're stuck on, e on Easy Street, what do we do? I don't know. You know, I think the four factors we get to look at, and I'm going to repeat these from last week, higher, stickier inflation, all right, more aggressive front-end loaded rate hikes, greater risk of a recession, and a potential hit to earnings growth. So those things are there, all right? Now, I've been talking for some time how healthcare has been dead last. Remember, energy 
and basic materials were dead last a year ago, and they went to the forefront. You made a lot of money in those. Uh, if you would have bought energy stocks when I talked about them back in March of 2021, they were the best performers this year and last year too. Now I'm gonna. We had back in May our RBC Capital Markets Global Healthcare Conference. The updates from day one, I think, were the best. Uh, I recommend those. Healthcare gained more percentages, percentage points in dynamic asset level investing than any other group this week. What was interesting, on a relative strength basis, 54 stocks had relative strength buys in the last 10 days. 40 of them, 40 of them were in guess what group? Healthcare. There we go. So I, I highly recommend it. The other area that's been holding up extremely well this year has been dividends. And uh, there's some ETFs you can buy. I recommend the dividend growth portfolio. You know, ETFs will not make you poor. Dividend growth, if you get the right stocks, will make you rich over time. Very rich, okay? When you start compounding great companies that raise their dividend 6 to 8% a year, you can't fake a dividend, folks. You know that their balance sheet is in great shape until people start questioning the, the, the dividend. And then if they cut it, you got to go. Simple as that. It's a great, great procedure. But dividends are holding up. So I want to go back a year. So we talked about the bullish percent being at 80, going to 60, going to 78, going to 60, going to 70, you know, make a series of lower highs and a flat bottom. You know when you break that, you're in trouble. We talked about oil and gas and infrastructure. That, by the way, is utilities. Utilities are up this year. Oil's still up, even though they got cracked. Most oil stocks are down 20%. We said we thought oil would be weak into July. And then we talked about dividend stocks. Our dividend growth portfolio has held up extremely well during this period of time. So, uh, you know, we let you know we, we guided you the right way is what I'm trying to say. So I'll just leave it at that. Uh, now, I'm getting real interested. I've been reading more and more about food security. And I offered this uh, this to everybody. Uh, there's some really interesting stuff going on, uh, ex you know, with COVID and the war in Ukraine. Um, and, and there's some really good ideas out there about agritech. And I think that's going to become more and more important as we go forward. And I highly recommend that uh, uh, to everyone. Okay. So it's, it's something that you have to start to pay very close attention to, I think, um, and and you you should. <laughs> uh, and you know, for the next couple of years, it's going to be very very important. I think that uh, we maintain, you know, our food sources uh, because a lot of a lot of you know the the Ukraine is the breadbasket of of the Middle East and. I don't think they're going to be planting next year. I don't think uh, my, or this year for that matter, in my humble opinion. All right. So uh, it's one of those things where I think you have to start to pay uh, uh, unbelievable attention to food and food security. And uh, this is a great report. Highly recommend it. Uh, I'm willing to bet that in the next year or so, um, you, you, I'm, I, I'm going to send us the report. I'm not going to send which stocks that we're talking about, but uh, it's it's an interesting, and I think it's something that uh, people have to pay particular attention to. So uh, there we go. Yeah, let's take a break. This is the Smart Investor Show. Uh, remember, if you got a question, it's 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. This is Greg Trzynski. More than 30 years ago, the original Mattress Factory was built on the idea of providing our customers with a high-quality product at a factory-direct price. 
Today, when we ask our customers how they heard of us, the number one response is that they were referred by a friend or family member. Many shopped here with their parents when they were children and have returned with their own families. We thank you for your continued support and look forward to serving your family for generations to come. OriginalMattress.com Who doesn't love a good deal? What if you could confidently know that you're getting the best deal on a mattress on any given day? Not just during one of those today-only sales. At the Original Mattress Factory, we have something better than a sale. A fair, factory-direct price on excellent quality products for everyone, every day. So you can take your time and buy when you're ready. When you're looking for the best mattress at a great value, come to the Original Mattress Factory first. OriginalMattress.com Hugh Hewitt talks about bear markets. When the S&P 500 enters a bear market, the Dow and the NASDAQ are also going to be in a bear market, and that's where we are. The Fed is, is making this happen because, of course, the Biden inflation, fueled by the $4 trillion in unnecessary spending last year, that's it, that's it. It's not Putin, it's Biden. Biden started by spending, printing $4 trillion in the Democratic House and the Democratic Senate. The Hugh Hewitt Show, weekday mornings at 6, right before Bob Fratz at 9, on AM 1420. The answer and Odyssey. Okay, we're back. You know, I I was just looking, and I I, I think it's sometimes you got to take it all in. Okay, uh, you know, and, and I guess you know I'll go back to a year ago, and. Uh, you know, that's when the bullish percent was at 80. And that's when we should have been really worried. Uh, that's when we started talking about oil. So, you know, everybody's talking about uh, go-go stocks and Mimi stocks and stuff like that. And I'm talking about oil. People thought I was nuts. Uh, but some smart people were, you know, behind me. So I felt pretty good about it. But, uh, well, first of all, once again, this is a live show. You got a question, 216-901-0945. It's 216-901-0945. But remember, China started all this, okay? Uh, you know, they started with their, their internet stocks and all that good stuff, and the Chinese government clamping down on them. And and I noticed that, you know, I was looking at a couple of the Chinese index, like the Shenzhen, uh, and it was way, way above its uptrend line. And, and now it's come back and bounced off it. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, the bullish percent is now at 25.25. That's where it ended Friday. It's a long way from 80. It's it's below 30. It's in the green zone. It's the promised land. All right? Uh, cash on the sidelines is the largest we've seen, including 2008, 2009, and 2002, and is the highest level it's been except for 2009, a week before it bottomed. Remember, we said on this show we're at a generational low that week. People thought I was crazy. <laughs> uh, who knows? Anyway, and in 2002, the bearishness is just, it's minus four, the bull bear ratio is minus 45. That's pretty low. I think it's got to minus 50 and minus 52 and a half uh, in 2009. So the put-to-call ratio is not terribly bearish, but it's bear- It's still bearish, okay? Um, a couple other things I saw that I thought were really interesting. Why is the VIX going down? You know, the VIX is the fear index. Why is it going down? All right, so you know, some people ask me that, and I, I wasn't sure, but, you know, that might be, it might smell, spell big trouble for the bears. You know, if you got a VIX going down and the market kind of going flat. Now, the other thing, I, I looked at the CRB index, and I can't remember. I think this was, uh, it was the monthly chart. I said earlier it was the weekly chart. We rallied up last month to a new high, and then we finished at the low. For the month, that usually is not. And by the way, we broke through a couple double bottoms, uh, which is usually not good for uh, any kind of st- stock bond, whatever. And a uh, couple other things. 
I, I looked, if I look at the relative strength of value versus the relative strength of growth, relative strength of value is winning. Okay. So there we go. But I think you also want to remember that when that happens, um, you know, the growth stocks are going to probably go sideways for a while. After big declines, they're going to go sideways for a while. Now, I noticed that the money's coming out of insurance groups. I mean, Berkshire Hathaway just got killed, right? Uh, and it's splitting the financial sector, you know, in half, basically. And there's some stocks that, uh, you know, there's some recession stocks are on the move. And those are healthcare stocks, okay? Healthcare stocks. We haven't heard about those in a long, long time. Also, what I don't like is the semiconductors hit a new low. And I don't think that's really great for the market. But just remember, and I said this right before, and I should have listened to myself, okay? I said before the, the Memorial Day holiday that holidays change trends. And unfortunately, I thought it was going to change it to the up, change it to the down. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, we got the VIX making a you know a series of lower highs, um, and we get a lot of good stuff. You know, bearishness is high and all that stuff. So it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. Okay, so uh, some people uh, have questioned. You know, what what are you thinking about, Tim? Well, look, you know, back in January we were talking about we were stalled at the upper end of the channel. That's been in place since the low of 2009. And, you know, so key support to 3,800. And then again, I think at 3,300 is where the uptrend line is. So if we go past there, we got a bigger problem. But if you, you still look stocks versus bonds, bonds are getting beat up. I mean, bonds have been more volatile and have are usually more volatile, by the way, uh, than, than the stock market. Now, the only problem is we've making a series of lower highs. So we got to reverse that, and and the Nasdaq, which had you know kind of been a bit parabolic, not not like in two thousand, but uh, in nineteen ninety nine two thousand, but a bit parabolic, uh, is getting close to the uptrend line. So we'll see what happens. It definitely, its relative strength is peaked compared to the uh, the S and P five hundred. But um, look, I don't. Everybody's talking about the emerging markets and all that good stuff, and I don't see yet any relative strength changes yet, with the exception of the Morgan Stanley corporate index for Europe. Uh, we're right at the downtrend line. If it breaks it here, you might want to pay attention to that. Okay, I think it's very, very important, but I still think it's value versus growth, and we've been shouting that for two or three years. We didn't realize the pandemic would change that. But look, let's review a couple things. We This is important, what I'm going to say right now. The trend has changed. The 10-year yield index has broken its downtrend line dating back to 1980. That's 42 years, folks, okay? That's a long time. Interest, you know, I talked about using uh, our Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. Well, you should have used it when I told you to because now yields are going to go back up, and I don't think they're coming back down, Okay. Now, we, because we can't afford as a nation to have our, our interest rates go up big time. We have to stop them before that because we're debt. We just threw $4.5 trillion into the market. So if you wonder where the inflation came from, that and the Fed, you know, that's like a 40% increase in, in the money supply. Of course, you're going to have inflation, right? The dollar broke out. This is another major point of a downtrend dating back to 1982, 84, I'm sorry. So that's 39 years. All right. That's big. And the Commodity Research Bureau, you know, broke out dating back to 2009. Now, by the way, usually when, when something breaks out, it breaks out and comes back and tests that downtrend line again, just like you do with, with an uptrend line. What happened this time, though, was we had something called the Ukraine war, and it shot up again. So commodities are very overbought, and will probably be coming back down. But their relative strength versus the S&P 500 have broken out of a downtrend. 
So three big things, three big trend changes, the yield, 10-year treasury yield, the dollar, and commodities. Now, usually the commodities and the dollars don't go in hand in hand. We'll see what happens going forward, though. Those are big changes. By the way, oil, dating back to 2008, broke that downtrend line, too, and it went up. It was looked like it was pulling back, and then the Ukrainian war hit, and bingo. All right? So uh, we've got some things going out there. Everybody ask about gold. Uh, gold is in a, like a cup and handle formation, but it doesn't seem to want to break out. So we'll see what happens going forward, okay? Uh, I think it's very, very important. But once again, you know, you have to look at the weekly charts and you can see that we've made three lower highs. And right now, we need to switch around. Now, the daily chart is very oversold and the momentum is starting to turn up. So that may be what the VIX is telling us. The VIX is telling us that, hey, it ain't so bad. I don't know. Now, the NASDAQ is challenging its four-year, four 200-day moving average uh, just above its next support line. So uh, it really needs to, you know, do a little bit of turning here. Now, the uptrend line is down at 9838. So if we broke that, that'd be a problem. But the relative performance versus the S&P 500 continues to trend lower. All right, so that, that's a big problem. Now, if I look at the daily, I, it looks like we made a higher low in the relative strength, but it's still below where it was, okay? Now, the Russell, the trend in the Russell remains uh, fairly negative. Um, and if it breaks support at 1712, boy, I, I'd be worried about that. But the relative re re uh, strength performance is still in a downtrend of the S&P 500, but you're right at the downtrend line. So if it turned, it'd be very, very positive. Once again, the, the number of stocks below their 50-day and 200-day are extreme. So that, that should turn somewhere down here. And the bullish sentiment uh, has <laughs> collapsed to contrarian levels not seen since the 1990s. Same with the bearish sentiment. So that's, those are all positives, okay? Those are good things happening. So, uh, uh, you know, growth versus value is in a downtrend, but there's a short-term diversion. So it may be a, a, a good opportunity for growth stocks to, to bounce up and see what happens. And like I said, uh, the Shenzhen uh, CSI 300, you know, came right down to its uptrend line and bounced. And if you look, the relative strength uh, is reversing up too. So those are some big positive things out there that people are not talking about. I think you should. Uh, and, you know, look, if the dollar continues to go up, people are buying our, our, our bonds or they're buying our stocks. That's, that's what you buy in dollars. Okay. So just remember that's not a negative, that's a positive. Uh, and it should be a negative for uh, commodities. Is it because, you know, you buy, you know, if, if, if you got to use more dollars to buy commodities. You buy less commodities, and the rest of the world uses their currencies to buy our dollar. Okay, and they buy commodities with our dollar. If the dollar continues to get up, go up, it's more expensive for them. That could bring down inflation. Yeah. All right, let's take a break, and we'll be right back with the bullish percent. This is Smart Investor Show. Once again, if you have a question, three two one six three zero one oh. Uh, 901-0945, 216-901-0945. Sorry, folks, it's Saturday. We're right back. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Now let's be honest. Aren't we always honest? We say we're straight-talking plumbers. I meant bluntly honest. Okay, gotcha. If you're a first-rate plumber, you can write your own ticket to work anywhere you want. And we want you for why it works. So here's why you should choose us. One, no on-call. Because family time is sacred. 
Two, family first, and we'll work with your schedule. What good is raise a family money without quality time with the family? Three, we've got a truck waiting for you. And it's a sweet rolling warehouse of a truck. Four, mom's breakfast every Tuesday. And it's so good. Six, we're growing, and you can grow with us. You want to move up? You can with us. Seven, we'll teach you to wallack a doodle. And we'll teach you how to spell it. Eight, no on call. Uh, you already said that. Oh, because it's important. Five, work with the best plumbers and for the best customers in Cleveland. Oh, that is a biggie. Yeah, I should have put that first. Or at least between four and six. Anyway, if that sounds good to you, hit us up at whyitworks.com. License number 30185. AM 1420 has officially turned 100. Hey, we've heard a lot of voices and sounds over the years. Fearless. Flyer Gary D on WHK. I am Imus on WHK. And of course, your Buckeye buddy, Jolly Holiday. But one thing has remained constant. When news breaks out, Color Channel 14 breaks in. WHK News. WHK News. AM 1420 has been Cleveland's answer for news. Celebrating 100 years in Cleveland. Okay, uh, I have a hard time interrupting that. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, it is the 4th of July, folks. There we go. Uh, anyway, so I, I had some questions. I had a question that came on uh, email while we were go- gone. And uh, the guy said, what about bonds? Look, the... the, the Fixed income groups have ticked up on a relative strength basis versus uh, the equity markets. Remember, we, we went down a half a percentage point on the 10-year yield. I would probably be looking, you know, the best places from two to five years. I mean, they're basically, you know, you're almost at the 10-year yield. So why take the risk going out 10 years? You know, so if you can get CDs or treasuries, you know, we have a great bond desk, by the way. I mean, phenomenal bond desk. Two to five years might make sense. You know, somewhere along here. Now, if they raise interest rates one more time and yields don't go up, the market's telling the Fed, slow down. You've done too much. All right. So we'll see what happens. But the U.S. fixed income short duration group is one of the few fixed income groups that have a good score on the Dorsey Wright uh, system. So Actually, you know, if it broke 140, 145, I guess it would be a, a new top. And I still get this call from uh, from uh, Ben every week, and he asks me about crypto. And uh, look, the Nasdaq crypto index doesn't look so hot. I mean, it's made a series. You know, if you look at the box theory, you know, that's where you have a, st- uh, a stock or a bond in a box, and if it breaks down below that box, you sell it. Okay, well. It's done that twice now, so we're on our third box, and you know you could be making a fourth. So um, if, I'm just talking about the technicals. I have no idea about the fundamentals, and uh, I don't own any. So there we go. So let's talk about the bullish percent. And the bullish percent was designed uh, by some people who who are very close to Charles Dow, and what they want to do is be bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. And so they they put a point and figure chart together, which is just X's and O's. And what it did was it looked at the number of charts that were bullish versus the number of charts were bearish. And what they found was when you had a column of X's, which is, you know, an accumulation phase, it went slower, but moved up. And when it got over 70, uh, people started talking about their portfolio and going crazy. What happens is we went to a column of O's or distribution and things happened very, very fast. And they tumbled very, very fast. And so the risk was higher over 70, and the risk was lower below 80. I mean, below 30, I'm sorry. So last year, we were at 80. We were in the red zone. That's what happens when you get above 7. They call it the red zone. Now, we're at 25 and a half. And we're in the green zone. And now everybody's bearish. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. So. Look, I'm starting to see some stocks put in some near-term bottoms. And I'm also seeing some stocks starting to break out. Isn't that interesting? Now, the -the over-the-counter index was up 5.4%. That's the small-cap stocks. Uh, 
and they're in a column of X's, but they're still under 30. Remember, what we want to see is them to go below 30 and then above 30. Uh, so after a decline of the magnitude we've had, I've been kind of, to be honest with you, I've been kind of a little bit, you know, tepid in what I've been buying, although I did buy one healthcare stock Friday, and I told you about another stock that's trading at 2.58 times earnings, as over a 3% dividend, and is trading just a little bit below book value, okay? So uh, there are cheap stocks out there, and smart people are buying those cheap stocks, so I'll just leave it at that. Now, the world index is still in the column of O's, but it was up 5.5%. It, it, it would not, it's at 30, and it would not change till 32, which is right around the corner. So uh, some e- interesting things happening. And look, um, there, there's a rare, we've discussed the rarity that is having only one group score above four on our asset group, okay, asset allocation group. And uh, at this time, Manor Futures and MLPs are only two up there. So it's kind of interesting. But Pirus with only one group scoring above four on the page are very rare. Uh, and they're usually ma- major. Uh, distribution times, okay? So uh, what's interesting is the the average return six months forward is about 7% on the S&P, okay? But in a month, it's flat. So you got to wait the whole six months. So maybe we're starting to bottom. Now, we did have some big changes uh, on the dynamic asset level investing. Energy is still number one, even though it pulled back uh, you know, almost 20% last week. Uh, basic materials just barely made the, fa- the favored sector status. They dropped five spaces, which is interesting. Uh, consumer non-cyclical or staples, financials, you got to take insurance companies out of that because they got beat up. Utilities and industrials led, we want, we want you know, so energy number one, consumer non-cyclical two, financials three, et cetera. The biggest improvement was healthcare. Healthcare was up 15 percentage points. So that's kind of interesting. And, uh, you know, so I still think you underweight healthcare, but it's improving. So there are certain healthcare stocks, and I've got three that I really like. Uh, one with a big dividend, and I prefer to buy the big dividend. Now, a lot of my, stock, my customers own this one already, so I'll just leave it at that. But I think buying dividends right now and buying quality is, is really good. And then, you know, if we do break out uh, to the upside, Things can get more interesting. Now, international equities have continued to show broad weakness, and uh, at least past week anyway, with the exception of China. China has been the one loan improver over the past several weeks. And uh, China and Brazil have shown similarities in their price movement tendencies over the course of the past several years, with each you know country showing sharp periods of improvement followed by some sharp weaknesses. And so... We, we looked at the relationship between the two, and if you look, it's definitely China right now. China has really gone crazy against, let, we, you know, we, we put the MCHI versus the EWZ on an ETF relationship, and, and we, we definitely see that China's surpassing things. So I'm not the only one that thinks this, folks. <laughs> Our friends at Dorsey Wright, who provide us with the bullish percent out of Virginia, uh, now they're in NASDAQ, I guess. Uh, so... Fixed income is really interesting. If you look at the ten-year yield index, we got the three, you know, three seventy, uh, three point four seven five, and we dropped all the way uh, to three point one. Um, now we we actually hit two point nine nine officially, but on a point and figure chart, we wouldn't put that down yet. Okay, so there we go. Now I did notice gold's been positive, but none of the gold stocks are working. So it's just gold. Gold's held. Oil's been negative for three weeks. Natural gas has been really negative, and real estate continue to find headwinds. I do would not be in real estate office REITs. Okay, office REITs don't want to unless they're government, uh, and even the government ones are having some times. But some of these, if you've got the right real estate group, remember they have they have to pay eighty percent of their holdings when, to be a real estate investment trust. You eighty percent of your earnings have to go in a dividend. So their dividends may be getting pretty high, but you better examine what properties they own. I think that's the really important part, okay? So uh, you do have 
real estate US the REIT index making a lower high uh versus the five year treasury. Okay. And, and and that's something you gotta pay particular attention to because you know, I, I think it's important that you understand where we're going. So what I guess I'm saying in so many words is number one, healthcare improved the most. Okay. And I'm also seeing a lot of stocks that are starting to bottom. They're not, you know, starting to bottom. I didn't say the bottom was in place. Okay. They're not going to ring a bell at the bottom, but I'm seeing some stocks that are making some bottoms. I'm seeing some healthcare stocks that look really, really good. And I've been talking about this for about six, seven months now. So it shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. <laughs> uh, so there we go. Now, a couple things. You know, we always talk about Dr. Copper on the show, and Dr. Copper broke down this week. So Copper had been in a in a very tight range, and it broke down. So that's a big negative for commodities, because when Copper goes down, usually the rest of them go down with it. Now, the ratio of Copper versus Gold broke down, too, uh, which may be a big, you know, kicker for uh, gold gold nuts, okay? And wheat broke, you know, wheat had the same type of chart as copper. It broke down. Oil futures looks like they made a little bit of a double top, uh, short term anyway. Natural gas really got beat up. So uh, we'll see what happens. Now, people keep asking me about gold. So gold, you know, weekly momentum remains negative, but it's becoming oversold. So it's still basing above that 1780 level, which is positive. So, you know, look, there may be a short-term trade coming, but I, I ex- my expectations for gold is to, to chop in a range over the next, you know, maybe three, six weeks, something like that. Uh, and I think it's something to pay particular attention to. Now, the financials are in a situation where the insurance companies have divided from the banks, and the regional banks actually look better than the, the, the big banks. Uh, you know, and communication services, the downtrend uh, downtrend is intact, and, and that's the, that's dead last on the dynamic asset level investing. But the relative trend in healthcare continues to build to the upside. So that's uh, that's a group that does well in a recession, and I think it's important that you go from there. I had a whole bunch of questions uh, on the uh, obviously they got to my email <laughs> about uh, you know certain stocks. I'm not going to go over those uh, on the air. Uh, you know they talked about. There was a question on Chevron, and you know Warren Buffett bought Chevron much higher, okay, and it's lower. So you know Warren's not dummy; uh, he bought a bunch of Occidental too. So we can talk about insider spying. Uh, but I am seeing quite a few of the, like I said, the healthcare stocks uh, doing much better. So you know, keep that in mind for the next uh, couple of weeks. All right, so look, sure, let's take a break, uh, and uh, we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. Brighter than a lucky Hi, this is Martina McBride. With online news, social media, and texting available 24-7, the world seems to be spinning faster and faster every day. And it can be overwhelming. Sometimes we just need to unplug and take a break from our electronic devices. It can help reduce stress and allow us to reflect on the things that are really important in our lives. This message brought to you courtesy of the United States Air Force. Charlie Kirk sees the media smearing again. Cassidy Hutchinson. She says some things such as Donald Trump tried to hijack the presidential motorcade, otherwise known as the Beast. And by the way, just to get an idea of how seriously the activist media took this. It is the entire upper fold of the New York Times. Is that true? The Charlie Kirk Show, weekdays at noon, right before Dennis Prager at 1 on AM 1420. The Answer. And Odyssey. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. 
Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. Uh, Now we're going to talk about insiders, and then we're going to sum everything up for you. Uh, So we started with a strategy piece, and we worked our way down to individual ideas. Uh, Insiders tend to be early. I'm looking for insiders who buy big and who are very knowledgeable. Okay, so uh, these are names. I'm not recommending them. You know, you do your own homework if you're not working with me. Now, here's one, Karuna Therapeutics, which, uh, you know, was a $140 stock, went all the way down to 80, uh, well, 90, I'm sorry, and now it's back up at 126. And Jim Healy, who's a director, bought twice. He bought $8.857 million on the 30th, and then the day before, he bought $5.878 million. That is not chump change, and I looked up uh, Jim, and he's a very smart guy, so I'll say. Uh, Athria Pharmaceuticals, which was an $8 stock in the, the beginning of June, <laughs> is now $3.10, I think. Receptive Advisors, this is smart money, folks. This, you know, this is a big-time hedge fund. They bought three point, well, they bought 1.1 million shares, and that was on the 30th. And then uh, uh, several days earlier, on the, or no, one day earlier, on the 29th, they bought 270,000 sh- shares. So... Uh, they bought 1.3 million shares. They now own 4.8 million. So they're obviously uh, interested, let's say that. DaVita Medical Care. These are the guys that do uh, have the clinics so you can go get uh, dialysis and that type of thing. Uh, Michael Staffiri, uh, who's a chief operating officer, bought 20,000 shares. This was a big holding of Warren Buffett. I don't know if he still owns it or not. But uh, this was a $120 stock. It's now an $83 stock. So there we go. Now, here's one uh, that got I sold a while back uh, in the 140s, and it was Darden Restaurants. And now it's uh, 114 And uh, a director, Tim Wilmot, bought uh, $1.2 million worth. And here's an interesting one, Nike. Uh, now, this is the second buy in Nike in like three, four weeks, I believe. John Rogers, who's a, a director... He bought 10,000 shares or a million dollars worth and 102, 103, I guess it was. Uh, and, and Nike's now 101. So that's interesting. And, and Reservoir Media, this is a, a little dollar stock uh, at this point. And uh, t- Ryan Taylor bought quite a bit of it. Uh, he bought it th- three or four times. And then Essex uh, Equity Joint Vet Investments bought, and I think they're a 10% holder, by the way. But they, uh, he bought $870,000 worth twice. And then uh, uh, the equity, uh, Essex Equity Group, I'm sorry, bought uh, 609000 then bought another 609000 So uh, that was both on the 29th, which I thought was interesting. And then a, a couple other names that I, I've seen some um, real interesting, you know, uh, movement in the stock on the downside. The... Uh, um, Maserich company, which is in a real estate. And remember, you buy yield when it's down. So you have to look at this portfolio before you do it. But uh, it's got a pretty decent dividend. So it's you know it's gone from uh, $16 to 8 so 8 9 whatever. It's been cut in half, so be careful. And then um, we, we had a couple other names that I thought were uh, Milton Alp. Uh, is a pretty smart guy, but this is he bought Nile, uh, Bit Nile, which is obviously in the... Uh, in the uh, Bitcoin area, and he bought twice. He's executive chairman, and he bought half a million dollars worth. You may recall he bought a couple weeks ago uh, at about the same price. And then uh, our friend Jay Farner, uh, who's chief executive of Rocket Mortgage, uh, he continues to buy. He bought on the 30th, and the 28th, the 27th, and 28th again, all about $200,000. Remember, he bought a lot last week. So, uh, you know, I forgot that. Ryan Taylor also, he, he bought a bunch of stock on the uh, Reservoir Media Group uh, last week, too. He bought three or four times, and Stephen Cook also bought that He's a director, too. So uh, these guys, you know, uh, bought, I don't know, $300,000 worth, so they continue to buy. Uh, and then Essex also bought with them, and at the same time, they bought a couple hundred thousand dollars worth. So 
is, is multiple buys. He likes seeing multiple buys. Okay. Um, anyway, I, I am seeing less and less insiders buy. Okay. So there we go. Uh, so look, what I like about this move in the S and P 500 right now, uh, is nobody's talking about it. Okay. But it's holding. Okay. Now, the problem is, like I said, you know, we don't have all the, the rules yet. And the rules, unfortunately, are being written by the Federal Reserve as we go along. So if they raise rates another three quarters of a point, we've got to see what the reaction is to the market. So sometime in the future, we'll bottom. They're not going to ring a bell. Okay. So maybe, uh, you know, look, some of the clients don't want to buy. I, I haven't talked to a few of my clients simply because. I don't, I'm not absolutely sure what to do and they haven't been with me long enough to, to, uh, appreciate the fact that I'm trying to do my best for them, you know, that type of thing. And, uh, I think, you know, if you're a 500 share buyer, you buy a hundred or 200 shares now. Okay. If you're a hundred share buyer. Maybe you buy 25 or 50 and, but you buy some, some high quality names right now. Uh, the, the lower quality names will be the ones that perk up first, uh, and I'll be able to see those on my charts. But right at the moment, I'm still not getting a, a lot of <laughs> a lot of names on the charts. So, look, a bounce looks like it's underway. Um, and and Friday was good because we were we started off down and we ended up up, and that's a positive. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens from here. Um, I'm not absolutely sure. Uh, but, you know, it looked like to me that the S&P 500 and the QQQs, which is a NASDAQ composite, have reversed on Q. Uh, you know, weakness down to challenge the June lows, and then they turn around. So the U.S. dollar has pushed higher. Uh, it's coinciding with the yields turning up. Now, the yields have turned down for a short period of time. We'll, we'll be watching those fairly closely. But I, I think, you know, if you look, oil, we, we said the be careful with oil and, and, you know, let it pull back a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago. And and I don't think it's over yet. I just think it, it was overbought significantly. So we'll just leave it at that. So uh, what would I do from here? Well, I'd go to WHK1420's webpage. The dividend growth portfolio is a dynamite thing right now. Uh, the prime income list for you guys over, you know, that who have retired, the prime income list got a great list of stocks that uh, have – Really, you know, I think it's a four and a quarter, four and a half dividend yield right now. All right. Remember, dividends are taxed at 15% plus Obamacare, but your CDs are taxed at regular income. Your bonds are taxed at regular income. So uh, remember that. Anyway, so in Insight, uh, you go to my webpage, go to WHK1420, go to local podcast, go down to the Smart Investor Show. You can go directly to my webpage. Go to Insight. There's a lot of new research on there this week. It's constantly showing new stuff, and it's it got five ways to start a financial plan, all right? Or you can call me, and we can do a wealth plan for you. Uh, it it works, folks. You know, Alice said to the Cheshire Cat, which, which way should I go? But she came to a fork in the road, and the Cheshire Cat said, well, where are you trying to get to? And she said, I'm not sure. He says, either road will get you there. There we go. But check that out. There's all sorts of stuff about, you know, send me this, send me that, you know, and uh, we don't harass you, nothing like that. We're not we're not into that. If you want to do business with us, we'll do business. If not, that's up to you. In the meantime, though, we do send those out. Uh, dividend growth portfolio, prime income list. I would also start to think that it might be a great time to start to look at our best ideas list. All cap. All capitalization, because we don't know where we're going now. So, it's the 4th of July. I hope you have a great weekend. Remember, is life so great or peace so sweet that it should be purchased via the chains of slavery? Almighty God forbid it, for I not know what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Happy 4th. This is Smart Investor Show. Buy low. Sell high. Preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, 
rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.